Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On Commons People This Week. I will lie down with you in front of those bulldozers and stop the building. Boris Johnson not keeping a promise. We've got to get clarity. We've got to be able to protect our employees, our customers and our shareholders. Are the wings coming off Brexit after Airbus's warnings? It's a glorious day for a march. We're expecting tens of thousands of people to take to the streets. And the people march for a people's vote. All of this and more on Commons People. Hello and welcome to Commons People, HuffPost UK's politics podcast with me, Owen Bennett, and this week I'm joined by Rachel Wearmouth. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Owen. I'm joined by Mr. Paul War. Hello. And Mr. Ned Simons. Hello. How are you? Good. Excellent. Um, very busy this week, mainly with madness. Should we crack on? Because MPs have voted to give Heathrow Airport a controversial third runway, despite a last-ditch protest by environmentalists. Theresa May's plans to expand aviation capacity got the parliamentary go-ahead as she won enough Labour backers to survive a small rebellion by London Tory backbenchers. The vote means the expansion of Heathrow has cleared its main legislative hurdle as MPs approved the national planning statement that paves the way for the £14 billion construction project. But the big question was, where's Boris? The man who made this pledge when he was elected to Parliament. I will lie down with you in front of those bulldozers and stop the building. His absence did not go unnoticed. Here's Greg Hands, who did quit the government so he could honour his election pledge. So this is not just for me, a debate about Heathrow. Important though that is, it's also a debate about being true to your word and to your election pledges. So Heathrow, I feel like this is a massive sort of proxy war for the Tories at the moment. But let's talk about Boris, first of all. Is, is this the end of his leadership bid? Is, is sort of 25-year leadership bid? I don't doubt it indeed into Tory MPs anymore at all, did it? I mean, the fact he said, you know, he'll lay down in front of a bulldozer um, to stop Heathrow, he didn't mention that he'd get up before it got anywhere near him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Emily, Th- Emily Thornberry had quite a good line, didn't she, when she said that... Um, uh, that Johnson's hero Churchill quote his favourite line about stay and fight, stay and fight, unless there's a flight going to Kabul. Again. <laughs> That's quite <laughs> he good. Up, he went to Afghanistan. <clears> that was the reason why he couldn't be there. And um, the, the, I mean, others were pointing out that you know when he when he said originally, look, I'll lie down in front of bulldozers. What he really meant was, I'll lie down in front of bulldozers. Um, and, and, and if you seem to be someone who lies a lot about your prejudices, then even the Tory grassroots who really, really do like Boris um, <clears throat> might think twice about whether or not he's going to be the sort of prime minister or leader that they can trust. And I think certainly Ned's right amongst the Tory MPs, he's already sort of lost a lot of ground anyway, even before this Heathrow vote, because he's he's failed to connect with the 2015 intake and the 2017 intake. It just looked like he ran away, which just isn't a particularly good look if you want to be a leader, like literally flying away to have to not make a decision. And this is the problem is that, you know, in this calculus, there's the prime minister, everyone's thinking, you know, there's this balance 
in allowing him to not be there, does he, she basically make him look more foolish than she looks weak? And which is it? I think at the end of the week, actually, he looks more foolish than she looks weak. I mean, she definitely looks weak in allowing this cabinet minister to to basically defy three-line whip. Uh, And it was an outrage that in many ways he's spending taxpayers' money to go all that way. Um, But um, I'm not sure it, it... What's baked in now is her sort of in... Uh, sort of institutional weakness when it comes to not being able to fire people. I think that's kind of everyone knows that. But what has got what's changed this week is the sort of ridicule for Boris. I think. Um, well, I just think he it carries on this image of Boris as just somebody who just does not take responsibility and does not take things seriously. I mean, who actually is left that is going to support him? Who's going to put him on the ballot because he's become such a marmite figure with his colleagues? I think. He's blown it, really. I think it's it's slowly becoming clear especially that he's Gre- completely when, blown it. Especially when Greg Hand did quit the government, you know. And, yeah. <clears throat> and don't forget, though, that he's such a... And, and played the clip there, but he made, he's, that was because he played numerous clips with Greg Hands, basically yeah. saying yeah. Boris... Should... But don't forget, there is, a, as you said, this is a proxy war for Tory leadership. And in a proxy war, Greg Hands is an Osborneite, don't forget. So an Osborne has never, never, never liked Boris. But what is interesting is part of that whole sort of calculation of who's going to be leading the next Tory party and what happened last time a lot of people are slowly but surely saying actually michael gove maybe he was right maybe he was right to pull out the last minute because you the reason he pulled out is because he simply didn't think boris had the leadership skills and if if you're running away to Kabul on something as important as heathrow maybe you don't and the fact that he can even persuade theresa may to make it a free vote and he couldn't have perhaps yeah. pulled some capital and said, you know if you make it a free vote on this and i'll help you a little bit of brexit he could have, yeah. you know the horse trading that goes on at the top of politics we know this but he wasn't able to do that. Um, you talked there about sort of broader stuff, and Ned's done a, a fantastic bit of work where he's pulled together who's currently ran with who uh, in the cabinet. I think it's part one of 312, isn't it? Yeah, um, and it's, it's only for like the last two days or something. Yeah, it's going to have more additions than my referendum revisited piece. <laughs> years ago. Um, let's have a little listen to uh, Liz Truss here making a dig at Michael Gove. Too often we're told we're drinking too much, or maybe that's just me. <laughs> Eating... <laughs> eating too many donuts or enjoying the warm glow of our wood-burning goves. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I mean stoves. And I can see their point. There is a lot of hot air that does emerge from the department. <laughs> Apologies for the loud laughter you heard when that clip was recorded. It was a bit weird. But anyway, Liz Truss had a bit of a mad one this week, didn't she? Because she, she sort of briefed that she was going to say this in the speech. Then she said it. And then her press officer said that she didn't say it. I think the problem was, was really that she, weird, right? The thing that she did say mm. was the wood, wood burning go. Yeah. What she didn't say was the plastic stuff. Um, and that's what they got a bit sort of garbled because that's the bit that number 10 really didn't like. The idea that somehow you can ridicule the PM, not just Michael Go, but the PM over the idea of a, a plastic straw ban and, and you know, a plastic cup ban, all of which the Prime Minister's put a lot of her own political capital into. So, yeah, I mean, she blundered, to put it mildly. But we're seeing from Liz Trust. I mean, a lot of that speech was basically about how the state needs to take a step back from people, give people more personal freedoms. And then you contrast that with Gove, who's very much, you know, the state needs to step in to protect the environment. We're going back to the sort of 70s, aren't we? And this idea, you know, the Thatcherite branch of Toryism, which is what Liz Truss is advocating, versus the kind of slightly more wet branch of conservatism, which is what Gove is, uh, Gove is advocating. 
Well, I think it's it's interesting that she brings up regulation because it's a debate that's happening more widely and nobody's really talking about it as, as much as we thought they were going to. Um, kind of flies in the face of um, the Treasury being the heart of Remain as well because she's um, really yeah. pushing some interesting policy ideas. I think it's what we spoke about before about <coughs> all these leadership candidates and toy politicians, the kind of think tank piece you wrote, Owen, about the kind of ideas coming from the party. It's all about what happens after Brexit. And I think people, listeners should realise that Liz Truss's speech wasn't sort of a speech that was she was caught saying these things. It was written down at the LSE mm. with, a, with a film crew. It was very deliberately done as deliberately setting out her, her position, wasn't it? It wasn't like she got caught out saying something behind closed doors and was recorded like Boris was um, by BuzzFeed recently. It was very different. Yeah, I think if she'd got away, if he'd just had a joke about Michael, wood-burning goves and left it at that, oh, I'm not sure about wood-burning goves myself, she would have got away with it. But it was because she tried to expand it into a thesis about freedom and the nanny state and get off my back, don't tell mm. me what to eat, don't tell me what to drink, don't tell me, you know, mm. how I should run my home in terms of heating it. It was a wider attack. And that's why I think, number 10, we're very nervous about in this week of all weeks when cabinet ministers are at each other's throats. Yeah, because the idea of cabinet ministers having to go to them in public is just, you know, not so much Theresa May could possibly tolerate. <laughs> I, you know. well, I really liked, sorry, well, I, was, I was just going to say, it's, it, it has all got um, very, very public since this big um, cash announcement for the NHS. Um, there was lots of briefings during the week that Liz Truss was the only one putting up a big, big fight for against the um, the tax raises that, mm. that we're likely to see. Um and it just seems like since that announcement, everybody's come out to, to just start this massive war. Did, um, did anyone see Pretty Patel on Sky telling cabinet ministers not to go rogue, which I thought was pretty, <laughs> pretty funny? <laughs> yes, you might think that pretty, we can possibly comment. I forgot to do the quiz. Oh, no. Should we do it now, though? <laughs> oh, I thought you meant you forgot to do it at all. I'm no, like, no, I've done the quiz. I just oh, forgot good. to do it. It's about Heathrow. But oh. I was so caught up in Tory... <laughs> Tory Wars. Do it. Uh, like yeah. Heathrow, it's been delayed. It's about hey. oh, I have done that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. This is about how long runways are. I'm going to be really annoyed. It's not. Okay, let's it. move on. Um, <laughs> uh, Heathrow was the seventh busiest airport uh, by passengers last year, according to uh, the Airports Council International. This is fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> seventy-eight million passengers. I never had you down as a plane spotter. <laughs> I'm, an air, I'm an airport spotter. Anyway, uh, I'm going to give you an airport. Was it... Uh, is Heathrow had more? Heathrow. Yeah. Or did they have more passengers than Heathrow? Heathrow. Okay. <laughs> okay. 78 million, you said. 78 million. All right. So, uh, the Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris. Did that have more or fewer passengers than... Um, Heathrow. 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 I think, yeah, fewer. Fewer. So Heathrow yeah. then. Oh wait, is that what yeah, it's yeah. Heathrow. Heathrow oh, has whatever. more. So I think Heathrow has more. This is so complicated. Yeah. Okay. But uh, Heathrow has more. Heathrow. Rachel, he, I, I would, I would say um, Charles de Gaulle has more. Did you say Charles de Gaulle has more? Yeah. You'd be wrong, I'm afraid, Rachel. Damn. It's 69 million. Mm, close. Uh, let's have a look at uh, JFK Airport in New York. <sighs> it's not like that. That's got to have more, isn't it? That's got to have more than Heathrow. I'm going to say that Heathrow has more. So you're going to say Heathrow? Yeah. Paul is saying Heath. No. Heath, no. Um, he thinks that JFK has more. I have never been, so this is a complete guess. I would say Heathrow has more. You'd be right. Oh. JFK is only 22nd in the world with 59 million. Sadly, I have been to Heathrow. Kuala Lumpur International Airport in Ooh. Malaysia. Ned. Uh, Malaysia. 
I'm going to say... Kuala Lumpur. I'm going to say it has more, because I've not said that yet. So I think Kuala Lumpur Airport has more. Mm, I'm going to say Heathrow's got more than that. Um... I'll say more as well. Yeah, Heathrow's got more. Club has got 58 million. And finally, let's do... Uh, let's do Hartsfield-Jackson, Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta's a massive hub airport in the States. So I'm going to say Atlanta has more. Who's going to say Atlanta has more? So am I. So is Paul. I'll be contrary then and I'll say Heathrow. Heathrow, you're saying Heathrow. You are right to say Heathrow. It is the busiest airport in the world. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, that got around, <laughs> didn't it? I got as excited. Yeah. Woke us up. 104 million passengers. Wow. That's a lot of people. That's good, isn't it? Beijing's number two, Dubai's number three, Tokyo's number four, LA's number five. Dubai's number three, that's Yeah, O'Hare in Chicago is sixth and Heathrow's seventh. So there we are. So that was this week's quiz. Excellent. Perfectly timed. Back to, uh, what, what are we talking about? Brexit. Brexit. Right, I want to listen now to Airbus CEO Tom Williams. Um, this is on Radio 4 this week, um, talking about uh, what happened if there's no Brexit transition deal. Clearly we're frustrated, concerned by the situation, uh, in particular the lack of clarity. And certainly my own personal position is we've got a great operation in the UK. It's my responsibility to protect that and protect our employees. And we're doing this on their behalf. We've got to get clarity. We've got to be able to protect our employees, our customers and our shareholders. And we can't do that. In the current situation. Uh, so it's been apocalyptic, basically. Well, not apocalyptic, that's a bit strong. Basically, businesses are saying, look, we don't know what's going to happen and that's not good for us. That has prompted Tory ministers, who I thought Tory were the party of business, to start. Boris Johnson, fuck business. Just fuck business. You said it. Just fuck <laughs> you it. You said the F word. Yeah, that's Boris Johnson. That's his, that's his, his fuck it. It's like Jamie Corbyn going, fuck the NHS. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it. Yeah? I mean, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's, it's weird. Sorry, but what planet are we living on? No, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's it's really odd. Any more analysis? Just no, that? just no, that. Just, just, just well, yeah. come on, Paul. You've been, you know, you're a man who, who's who's seen the many things in politics. Well, I think the curious you thing. Have you ever seen over the Tory minister say fuck business? No, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, you could say Theresa May kind of said fuck business when when she did her whole sort of reforming capitalism speech when she was on a high soon after she'd been elected at that party conference when she said basically, you know, um, citizens of nowhere, you can you can bugger off. Basically, I I want to put I want to make sure that. Brexit voters actually are in the driving seat and I want to make sure that we change Britain forever, these burning injustices. You could say there was an element when she talked about putting workers on boards, when she's talking about more things that Tories hadn't previously talked about, the state getting involved a bit more, that it wasn't quite fuck business, but it was it was veering towards the, the thesis, which is, look, some things are more important than, than necessarily money. And what are those things? They are people having control over their working lives, people having control over their sovereignty and you know, their borders. And if you say that some things are more important than money, and we've said this before on the show, then the whole political debate opens up because it certainly opens up for Labour well, because is, that's the thesis of Jeremy Corbyn, well, which sorry. is some things are much more important than just money. And this is what Farage has said before in the past. Farage is leading up to referendum. Even if there was an economic hit, that's worth taking because we can just eat all that lovely sovereignty and warm our homes that lovely sovereignty and drive lovely sovereignty around. Um, but come on, Rachel, this is... Bizarre, right? Because then you've got Greg Clark who's had to go out and go, whoa, 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 no, no, yeah. no, no. Don't fuck business. We like business. Yeah, it's it, fine. It, I think sort of there was a lot of warmth among the business community for uh, Greg Clark's response this week. He's normally so reserved as well and see him get really 
passionate about it was um yeah was it was fascinating the way he sort of became a sort of you know clark kent suddenly turned to superman for the remainers you know he's 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 normally you know he's the the new dominic reed he is normally the guy who you know people ridicule and he has been ridiculed by lots of commentators let's be honest but i've always consistently said he's got a lot more clout than people think you know he's he's the business business secretary he knows the industry inside out he knows he's worked hard on working around not just british business but japanese businesses and car manufacturers etc he's the guy who's been trying to reassure them all look we're going to try and get as smooth as brexit as possible and what worries the Brexiteers is that people, the quiet people like Greg Clark and David Gork, are suddenly talking loudly about soft Brexit. Um, and even the phrase soft Brexit gets a lot of Brexiteers, you know, their hackles rise. They think it's such a, you know, heart of remain phrase. Um, and the biggest fear of all is that the more Theresa May talks about Brexit and tries to woo the Brexiteers, the more suspicious they are that she's doing them over. In other words, if her language... they One of them said to me this week, if you hear Theresa May sound like Nigel Farage or sound like Boris or Michael Gove, be really, really worried because actually underneath the, the language, there's almost certainly going to be some way she's going to sell us out. And something kind of in, indicative of that yesterday was uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg on uh, Sky. Um, he was kind of saying... Uh, we're seeing like a, an, an attack from the Remain campaign again, driven by the Treasury, kind of repeated that um, sort of almost paranoid claim and called it, you know, they called them politicised businesses, which was an interesting mm. phrase. I was just going to say, we could talk about Jeremy Hunt a bit. I mean, he was on Mar on Sunday, accusing Airbus of being completely, in, completely inappropriate with his, with his quote for them intervening in the debate. And he was sounding very, very Brexity, which is so interesting, given that, you know, when he briefly flirted with running for the leadership last time round, he was, he was proposing a Norway-style model and perhaps even a second referendum on the deal. To watch him, you know, very remain countenance to sound so Brexit is so interesting. Yeah, he's, and it's not, it's obvious what he's up to, but it's just... Before we get on to the, peop- that's the, the second vote thing, just one point I want to make is that... What if Boris is right? What if the point that Boris is making is, you know what business is, you've had it your way for 40 odd years and you've had, you know, your wicked way with the single market, all that, and people rejected you. And actually, fine, if you want to go, go, because, you know, we don't want that kind of business in this country, blah, blah, blah. So actually, what if Boris is actually right? What if this is the new... The new norm. Well, that's that's as I said, that that's the problem for him because as soon as you open up that debate, you're opening it up to Labour as well. You're opening up some really ripe territory for Jeremy Corbyn. You're saying, you know, yeah, Jeremy Corbyn said for decades, look, it's a business is Europe, a boss is Europe. It's about time to stop that. But the problem for Boris is he's the guy who's really pro-immigration and business wants immigration more than anybody else for their bottom line. So how's it that going to work? How's he going to square that circle? Let's talk about the People's March. Here is um, 100,000 people, was it, who marched on London on Saturday. Listen to uh, James McGrory from Open Britain. It's a glorious day for a march. We're expecting tens of thousands of people to take to the streets. And people are angry. They're angry that the government are making a mess about Brexit. They're angry that new facts have come to light since the referendum, like the £40 billion divorce bill. And they feel that promises made, most infamously about more money for the NHS, are not going to be kept. People are angry. People angry? Or was it just people who always angry being angry and being loud Ned well I think people are angry I think you know there's there's a lot of people who aren't reconciled to the the referendum result and I think that's totally fine isn't it I mean the idea that Brexiteers had lost they would have given up arguing for Brexit is a joke of course they would have carried on arguing for it as they are allowed to do so I don't see what the problem is with 
There's no problem with people going on a demonstration. Um, Obviously, say, ever. Should, no one would say that. It's nice to think Alistair Campbell talk about the power of yeah. demonstrations. Yeah. I think there's <laughs> someone who was on that rock march in 2003. I don't remember him being that mad yeah, then. Was, was and there were a million people then. No, yeah, the yeah. curious thing is that actually, obviously, everyone's got a right to protest. But the question is, what will it achieve? Mm. And in the what will it achieve stakes, the only real audience was not number 10. It was Labour HQ. Mm. And has it made any difference in Labour's own suggestion of whether or not it'll have a second vote? I don't think it has. Because what you saw online straight away was instantly this vicious Labour infighting about these are all centrists on this march. These are the people who vote for Iraq, etc., etc. And so it suddenly became an internal Labour Party fight rather than anything about should there or shouldn't be a second vote. Weren't they chanting where's Jeremy Corbyn at one point as well? They were. And then help. Vince Cable got up in PMQs, didn't he? And he made a point about Jeremy Corbyn not being there. And Karen Lee, a Labour MP for Lincoln, who's one of the sort of most vocal, literally vocal defenders of Corbyn, was tweeting, this is a disgraceful thing for Cable to say. How shit? I thought, oh, come on. Yeah. Calm down and grow up. Shut up and go away, Catherine <laughs> would say. I think um, one of the big criticisms that was thrown at the Remain campaign was that it was very establishment, very business. So I think... The optics are good, even if it wasn't sort of a massive, massive, massive march. It kind of if, if you caught bad, yeah. But if you if you caught it on telly and you saw you know people with banners and painted faces, I think that's not. You a know, bad I thought the biggest mistake was was carrying lots of EU banners rather than Union Jacks as well as yeah, EU yeah. banners. I think I was a bit yeah. real blunder. Yeah. And by the way, just as a big health warning here, if you saw me on that march. It was not me. It was my brother. And the, the reason oh, it was my excuse. brother, yeah, yeah, yeah. my identical really? twin brother has a big beard. And it's not me. I, as you know, you'll vouch for me. I've no, never yeah, had a beard. I don't know what you're talking about. Your <laughs> beard right now. Can I just say, <laughs> if you think beard. Paul wasn't that much, he wasn't. So your brother's a terrible Ramona. He's a big Ramona. Does that mean that you are a massive Brexiteer? To if balance you, out. To e- equilibrium I'm with the force. Possibly Which one's the evil twin? Is that I how it works? couldn't possibly come on. Put well, it this way, we argue a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know which one the evil twin is. Yeah. Which one I work for. Anyway, um, let's very, very quickly, let's talk about Birmingham, the UK's second city. Mr. Paul Ward, do you want to talk us through why we are going to Birmingham next week? We are launching a project called HuffPost Listens, and Birmingham's the first place in which we'll do it. We've done this in America. Our, our lovely colleagues in the US have got beyond the Washington and New York bubbles in America to go on a listening tour in the Midwest and other states in the wake of Trump. And in, obviously in the wake of Brexit, our big mission in Britain is to make sure that it's not just London that's heard and that everyone else has heard and has a valid voice. Obviously, two of us around this table are northerners, two of us are southerners. So why shouldn't the north have a, uh, a non-London voices be heard? So what we're going to do is we're going to move the whole newsroom to Birmingham uh, next week. And that means that we'll have a series of events. We're going to have listening posts throughout the city where people can be videoed. They can give us their views, what they think their priorities are. We're going to have a big Warzone live event with the mayor of West Midlands, Andy Street. And that's next Thursday. And there's really, it's just a really exciting opportunity. We're going to have a permanent reporter based in Birmingham as well. This isn't just a fly-by event. We're going to have deep roots in Birmingham once we leave. And we're going to repeat the exercise in Manchester this year. Um, and I just want to say that I think this... You know, we quite often get attacked that you for being in the bubble and not connecting people. This is the chance to really come and talk to us because we really do want to hear what people have got to say. We really want to hear the stories and just some of the kind of preliminary stuff, getting stories lined up for next week. We've spoken to different groups and people in the city and we've had some great stories, some real heartbreaking stories we've had already. And this is stuff which we wouldn't have got if we hadn't have done this. It's already bearing fruit. So please do come down and see us. All the details are online. Tweet us anything. Um, 
just come down and see us because we really, really want to speak to people. And we want to, you know, this is your chance to tell us what we're missing out on. We always like to be corrected, don't we, Paul? Always. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, I think next week we're going to put out your interview as the as the podcast. So that'll yep. be the podcast next week will be Paul Wars interview there with Andy Street. And then we'll be back. Normal service will be resumed. Back in the cosy bubble the week after. Just the day before Trump's visit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Right. Lovely stuff. It's all going in there. Yeah. Yeah, good. You all yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. See you later, everyone. Bye. <laughs>